and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. Um, it's weird. I wasn't anticipating the question. Usually I kind of know how I'm going to answer. And you know what? Here's what might have thrown you, because it threw me the minute I said it. I usually say, how you doing? But oh. this time I said, how are you? Well, you know what's also throwing me? Is what's that? that? I'm currently um, recommending to my mom which of the uh, sort of end of the year awards Z type movies she she would like saving mr banks just it's a good movie for moms okay well i haven't seen that one all right so far um well she asked me about her all right and i feel like is this a weird thing i know this isn't like our top of the show thing but like my mom is older than i am theoretically mm-hmm. more life experienced than i am why do i feel like i have to like protect her from weird stuff uh, like yeah, she's an adult yeah. she can like totally handle how weird her is and if she doesn't like that it's weird that's like She's not going to get mad at me for liking a movie that she didn't like. Well, because it's it's one of those things. My mom does the same thing as as uh, as does a number of as do a number of friends of mine. They'll say like, "Hey, have you heard of this? What did you think? You know, or mm-hmm. or what have you heard?" and that kind of thing. Um, and I don't think it's that they're incapable. I think honestly, uh, I think it's a way in which a family member can engage with you on your level. No, I'm just I'm just but talking also, about the like because it also my mom actually like has pointed this out to me that like uh last time i was at her house i was like um you know checking my email and just listening to music mm-hmm. uh, uh on on spotify uh, like sitting at the the island in her kitchen or whatever and checking email and stuff and i was listening to kanye and like she came in and like it got to one part in uh you know when in new slaves when he's like uh there's leaders and there's followers i'd rather be a dick than a swallower and i thought before it got to that, I turned it down. I was like, "Yeah, when did it come to this? When, when are you protecting me from bad language?" I don't so know, but it happens. But like, cause, yeah, because I like I anticipate my mom asking me about The Wolf of Wall Street, which is an amazing movie. No. It's it's a it's a fantastic movie. Um, and but my first thought about like should I recommend The Wolf of Wall Street to my my mom is like should I tell her how raunchy it is because it is mm-hmm. is very raunchy. Yeah. Um, but she can handle it. She's She's an adult. Why do I? But that's get the question. Like is, is, okay, so I, I'll put this out there. I'll use the term open-minded, but I don't mean to imply that your mom is closed-minded. Um, it's more just who we are and the choices that we've made in how we approach art. We are right. more open to whatever. We almost anything can entertain us if we let it. Whereas most people, and certainly I would say people who are, you know, further right. along in life. They kind of know what they like. So like, for example, my mom will say, would I like this? That's what she'll say. Uh-huh. And so because if, you know, you and I, I, I regularly lament that I haven't seen enough things or I haven't seen enough. Uh, my tastes aren't varied enough. Mm-hmm. But that's because of what I choose, what I've chosen to do with my life. For the average person, it's like who you and I are constantly fascinated the notion that like the average person see what was it how many movies a year in the theater according to harold ramus uh, ramus i'm not sure how you say that yeah he spoke at our school Mm -hmm. um i read the transcript i didn't get to go yeah um he said the average american goes to the movie theater five times in a year which is insane to me and it might be even this was more than 10 years ago it might be less now. yeah it's just more expensive it's more expensive now (laughs) yeah uh so so yeah it's so that's the average person and so if they're going to do that they want to know if they're going to like it you and i not merely partially because there are a number of movies we get to see for free. Mm-hmm. We can just go see whatever because we want to be part of the conversation if for no other reason. So, I th- I like what, so this isn't a thing about like, I guess with certain things, 
with the like r- the language in Kanye West songs or the raunchiness of Wolf of Wall Street, it is just a weird like. I, I think that's a different thing. That is just a weird like, mm-hmm. um, just parent child thing. Like yeah. I don't want to you know be associated with like that kind of raunchy stuff. You know, and talk. I don't want to talk to my mom about it. So, yeah. um, but with something like her. Right. This isn't a parent-child thing. I I would be protective. Uh, uh, you know, I would be cautious of any sort of person who is not an established like exactly. cinephile or lover lover of uh, you know I guess fringe forms of entertainment or you know including the show Fringe. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't recommend my mom watch Fringe. I don't think she yeah. would like it. It reminds me. You know, when I was in high school, I watch out. Yeah, I tried to do this before we record. I forgot. Ah, there, there we, we go. go. <laughs> Here's to having fun all the time, right, David? <laughs> um, but no, like when I was Wait, in what high is school, that from? That's from Seinfeld. That's when uh, Kramer is like playing that character. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, with, uh, who is it, Kevin Dunn? That he's like trying to uh, ensnare somehow. Because he's trying to, I think he's trying to like out Kevin Dunn's supposed coke habit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and he's he's smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer at the, at same, the same time, time, which is a fun little thing. Yeah, but um, yeah, I yeah, think I that's what say it was. It's Kevin Dunn. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so that's going to kill me. I think it's Kevin Dunn. Okay, moving on. Um, Do you remember on Seinfeld when Michael Chiklis was the henpecked husband of the Friends in like Long Island? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, the time he was, at the time he was the commission. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Although he was also John Belushi. But um, but in high school, I didn't have – to me, like, I, I liked a lot of different things. I probably was a little closed off to some things because I was still fairly young. But to me, I saw Dr. Strangelove and I thought it was amazing. Uh-huh. But I had not yet – it had not yet occurred to me that other people – I don't mean to say that I was smarter or that, or that I was better, but just – I was more open to different types of movies because I was so fascinated by the medium. Other people, not quite so fascinated, not quite so interested. But I hadn't realized that yet. So then I, there I go recommending Dr. Strangelove to all of my friends. And then I bought it on VHS and then lent it to them, as I am prone to do. And mm-hmm. uh, even now. And uh, they're, they watch it like, I hated that. That was so... So you lent them something and they actually watched it. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, because they were good friends. Uh huh. They were, you know, they didn't string me along. They didn't, uh, you know. I recognize I'm talking about myself here. I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Uh, little back uh, backstory. I lent Tyler a DVD, a uh, Blu-ray, in Blu-ray. fact, yeah. in April. Yeah, it was in April. I yeah, but and that's, you have not watched it yet. But what and what's a coincidence that I mentioned to you last time I was over here off, off the air is that neither have I in the entire time oh, that I you've had oh, I my know Blu-ray. That. Neither of us has watched it. Let's watch it together, David. Let's do it. No, I'm saying I've seen it before. Oh, I'm okay. saying in this time period that you've had my Blu-ray, neither one of us has watched that Blu-ray. Oh, I see. I see. It's da- that's yeah. It's David being a dick <laughs> is what that is. Or it's me responding to you being a dick by keeping my Blu-ray for eight months. I'm now? happy to give it back, and also, well, no, I don't see what you, the problem you is. You were going to see it, watch it Christmas o- week, over yes, Christmas, yes, because yeah. I'm I'm taking the the week off from work. Uh, to me, I don't see what the big problem is. I kept in the mood for love far longer. Yeah. So why are you complaining about this? Maybe I, I don't know. I want to watch this one. Well, then you can you can take it back, and I can freaking watch it on a Hulu. 
Right, but then if I take it back and I don't get around to watching it, should I then feel guilty <laughs> that I take it back? I think you should. Yeah, if you don't watch it within eight months of taking it back, <laughs> okay, we got way off track. Yeah, yeah. I, I got you off track. What were you saying? But, but you it's let just them, Doctor Strange Love. They hated it, and they, and they hated, hated it. You. Like whereas now, if there's a movie, not to me, I I certainly don't think Doctor Strange Love is strange now. But for example, um. Like I lent Holy Motors to somebody. I own that on Blu-ray. And I lent that to somebody who said that he likes kind of strange things. I said, okay, you say that. Here's this. Uh I should tell you, it's very strange. Just enjoy it. Just kind of let it happen. Don't try to figure it out. There's probably something to figure out. I don't know if anybody, including the filmmaker, knows what it is. Uh So just enjoy it. You know, like that's, I did it with a caveat. Right. But then there are some people. And did that the person I was, actually watch the Blu-ray yet? Uh, he did not. Huh. But I'd he love did. To hear. But he gave it back to me. Do you want to know why? Because I told him I wanted to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but there are some people that I would never lend that movie. Like you know, that, now there are different levels. Like I would lend you something, and and I would have no qualms about just lending it to you and just right. letting you have your own opinion. Right. Uh, some people I would lend with a caveat, and then some people it's like. Uh, that, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm not going to be, ta- I'm not going to be recommending that my mom watch Holy Motors right. for a number of reasons. But if your mom wanted to borrow Holy, Mo- Holy Motors, you wouldn't keep it from her, would you? <laughs> I guess not. No. <laughs> if she, if she lived here and said, Hey, I've heard a lot about that. I don't know where she would have heard a lot about this Holy Motors movie, but she's like, I've heard a lot about it. Maybe, you know how some people like to go back and watch like the, the whole AFI top 100, all the yeah. best picture winners. Maybe she's watching all the Palm door winners. <laughs> <laughs> did that win the Palme d'Or? I want to say it did, but I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I, w- I think it won a number of uh, you know critics awards. You know, she's like, I want to, I want to watch every lead, every lead male performance that won a, any critics award. So last year it'd be Joaquin Phoenix, Daniel Day Lewis, and uh, uh, Denis Levant. Is that how how we say his name? I guess yeah. Dennis Lewant. That's what I like to say. Yeah, old Dennis. Wait, who are we talking about? From uh, Holy Motors. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's he won a lot of awards, a lot of critics' awards last year. Um, but yeah, so uh, so we can move on. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, there's something yeah, we you wanted to get to at the top, but there's <clears throat> announcements but first, I mean, yeah, to be so, made. So uh, yeah. as usual, um, you know, snuggle up to your tweakedaudio.com slash pretension earbuds. And yeah, that's where you go for uh, your great earbuds, and you get a discount if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. All right. Uh, so... Okay, so this episode was brought to you, is brought to you by Mirage, a new short film about a lone soldier wandering the deserts of Afghanistan. Uh, we've talked to you about it over the last couple of weeks, just telling you what it's about and kind of the tone of it. Uh, but uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the how the film was made, because uh, I was talking with Kyle Valley about it. And as I said last week, David, I, I tend to... Uh, whether whether it's a su- success or not, because I haven't seen the film, so I don't know like how well it works. But I tend to respond to high ambition things with minimal resources. But okay, so and the, so the film was shot in one day using the Red Epic camera. Now I don't know much about cameras, but I do know that the Red is a is a very nice camera that is not cheap, and right. <laughs> so uh, I've heard great things about it. I think I know even less than you do. The production involved getting two fully loaded Humvees and the use of an army base. All right. I don't know how that is possible for a short film. Uh, It was shot in Santa Clarita in 114 degree heat. 
And uh, here's something that Kyle, uh, much to my surprise, uh, what he calls a fun fact. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Kyle, who wrote and directed, but he also starred in the film because uh-huh. he, he's primarily an actor. Uh, during the filming, it was, of course, it was just the one day, suffered heat stroke and had to be rushed to a hospital for medical treatments. Where's an, there's not a hospital there on the, on the base? I guess not. Maybe this was uh, in the desert portion. Uh, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, that to me, so how close is the nearest hospital? Do you think? I don't know. I didn't ask. Poor Kyle. I mean, I think he's okay now. I guess but so. it's one of those things. Can write just, emails. Exa- right. Yes. Or maybe, Hey, maybe it's a, you know, posture, maybe since then, maybe since he wrote me the, these emails and sponsored the show, maybe he's expired. Kyle, send me an email. Let me know you're okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, so that is what he views as a fun fact. I have to assume in the moment it was not very fun. I don't even really know what heat stroke is. No. Like, I don't no. know what happens. I don't know how you know if you've got it. How do you prevent it? That's what how I do you pre- Well, I would say don't spend all day, don't, don't be out in the desert on a 114 degree day. Uh, but that's, you know, that's me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but that's the thing. And so uh, I just I like stories like that because it shows a great deal of commitment to a to a project. Because my yeah. guess is when you've got the use of Humvees and a you know and an army base and you've got one day to shoot on your super expensive camera, even if you if even even if you're feeling maybe a little dehydrated and super hot in your I would venture to say army fatigues because he was you know like I said he played the part. Uh, it's, I imagine you're just like, look, we've got to push through. We are all out of money. We've got one day. <laughs> So I would assume it's that. But anyway, so it sounds very interesting to me. I have, I'm, I'm excited to watch the film when, I, when the sponsorship is over. Uh, and so you, you got to feel like you owe it to him now. I do feel like I owe it to him. I feel, you know what, David, I owe it to myself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, you listening, if you want to find out more about Mirage, you can go to miragepresskit.com or you can click on the ad at battleshippretension.com. Okay. Um, well, no, you had something else to announce. Yes. All right. Very exciting news. It is very exciting. We'll see. The execution might wind up leaving a lot to be desired. Well, Um, that'll be on you. That will be on me. Or it will be on me for not helping. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I think I've organized this in a way that is manageable for me. Okay. Um, let me know if you need anything. It involves tallying and that's, that's really all I need, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'll, got, I'll did, talk about that in a moment. Did you beckon Mr. Tallyman to come and t- <laughs> tally? Anyway, go on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, okay. A few weeks ago, uh, eagle-eyed listeners and readers might have noticed just a, a lone graphic on our website with no explanation. Yeah, yeah that's right. Which I like. I like, I like to do that. that. Um, with a gold battleship. Or as uh, some had said, as some had have told us, uh, an aircraft carrier, aircraft carrier, and uh, those people are not welcome. I do not and want I'm to hear sure about that. I'm pretty sure they're wrong. That's a battleship. Somebody uh, was very specific about it being an aircraft carrier. It looks like a battleship to me, but yep. whatever. It's I'm still a good sure looking logo. Thanks, Lance. So um, yeah, Lance is the best. He I'm sure met- is. Did you at Comic Con a couple years ago? Son of a bitch. I wish in fact, I'd met I put him. on the uh, in the it's probably still up on the podcast feed. I talked to him and recorded it and put it on the podcast. That's right. Feed. Yes, yes. Uh, but anyway, so uh, our friend uh, Adam Rebitaro, who's been on the show before, um, he adapted our iconic logo, yeah, and uh, turned it into this the logo for what 
Okay. It's so iconic that it, this logo that it's actually been stolen from us before. It has. Did we ever talk about that on the uh, I don't the think we've officially talked about on the and that on the maybe air. Maybe let's not give specifics, but yeah. Um basically another place or company or something. Yeah. stole the 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 sort of silhouette of the battleship and used it yeah. for to promote promote another thing. Clearly the person doing the graphics didn't tell the bo- their bosses, they stole it right. because then the boss tweeted, hey, I just noticed, like, playfully, like, hey, I just noticed we have the same, you know, we use the same, like, you know, I don't know, graphic or clip art or whatever yeah. as Battleship Retention. And so we had to contact them and be like, no, that's not, we didn't find that somewhere. Like, yeah. that was designed for us. And then we had to, and then we had to have an uncomfortable exchange with Lance and say, hey, just to make sure, you didn't take this from somewhere <laughs> right. else, did you? Yes. And he's like, no, that's, that's all me. That was, that was an interesting, that all happened like a day. Yeah. It was an interesting day. It was an interesting day because, you know, that's the thing is the thing that the the other thing that used the graphic is much more legit than us. I don't know if that's true. <clears throat> I th- I think certainly at the time, I think it was considered as a much more legit outlet than we are. I mean, yeah, the outlet as a whole, but they were using it just to promote one like sort of right. sub sub thing. Yeah. Just, you know. But even then, it could have borrowed on the credibility of the larger I see what you're thing. Yes, yes. And so if they have it and we have it, people would probably assume that the low-level podcast <laughs> right. took it. As opposed to this place that you've probably heard of right. and has been around for half a century. Yeah. yeah. But that's – so anyway, hey, you know, uh, that's a, little, a, yeah. a peek behind the curtain. And that's a couple years old, so I, I'm okay with talking about that. It is. It's almost three years ago now. That is um, a good memory. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. The logo is not what I wanted to talk about. It's what the logo represents. But we want to talk. That's what happens when you have an amazing logo like Lance Lieber designed. Damn right. Yes. It's Lieber, right? Lieber. Yeah. I think so. Um, so, okay. Now comes the awkward conversation where we discuss how this thing is going to be pronounced. All right? Oh, I have. You, you have I, an opinion and I have an opinion. I have very definite opinions on how yes. this thing. Did you say what the thing is called yet? It is called what I like to call the beepies. And what I like to call the BPs. Yes. Uh, Listeners, in the comments section, you say which you prefer. So Here's it's, what it it's, is. Yeah, okay, there you go. Okay. You probably figured it out. I don't totally recall how I got the idea, but I decided that uh, there are so many different outlets putting out their, like, awards, you know. Usually it's critics groups and stuff like that. But it occurred to me, we have enough writers and we have enough podcasters and we've had enough guests that we could probably do our own. And so, uh, and it's, it's one more way for us to get involved in awards season, which I always enjoy. Which we, um, we do like to get somewhat involved in the end of the year thing. Yes. But you and I do, we save our top 10 lists for the week before the Oscars. Yes. And I think that started off years ago when we started this podcast before we had, uh, money to go see a lot of movies before we had, had press screenings and stuff yeah. like that. That started off as pretty much just a practical, like we needed time to catch up. Yeah. Now I feel like. It's almost a principle thing. Like we're yeah. intentionally saying uh, that within this echo chamber of film critics and podcasts and websites and stuff like that, there's this rush to have your list up. Yeah. And we are intentionally saying, no, I'm going to take the time yeah. to see as much as I can. You know, I, I don't use the press screenings and stuff to say, okay, now I don't have to do that cramming that I used to do in the first two months of the year. Yeah. Now I see the press stuff and then I cram more like yeah. smaller stuff into uh january and february I, I i think as a result i certainly stand by my lists each year 
more than I would if I had made them at the end of December. Oh, no question about it. And and also, I mean, and, and, and we do incorporate uh, a select number of our writers to put out their top ten lists as well. But we also try to space that out in such a way so that uh, writers who may not have access to all of the movies uh, can go a little bit later. Yeah. Um, you know, who live in different parts of the country that may not sure. get movies first. Anyway, uh, but that's our top, that's our, like, the overall BP top 10 list as well as the Tyler and David top 10 list. Uh, that will continue as it has. But the BPs, there will be, uh, it will act as an awards uh, situation where we are going to go to all of our writers, like everybody that has written for us like in the last year, mm-hmm. um, whether it be two articles or 15. We're going to go to everybody. We are going to go to everybody in the Battleship Pretension podcasting fleet. Um, and then a, a handful of our recurring guests. Um, and we are asking for – and we've put out the different categories and say, all right, you have until January 5th. And that can be limiting to some people, but I'll, most of us live out here, so yeah, we'll, yeah. Do, we'll do what we can. It's not a perfect system. Um, you have until January 5th, and then you will email me, Tyler, uh, in each category. But you don't need to tell – the listeners aren't involved, so they don't need all, yeah. the, all listeners, the details. Yeah, th- this is important. Listeners, you have nothing to do with this. Yes, this all is right? not we, – we do all our lists that you yeah. guys help with. Uh, yeah. Don't inundate Tyler with emails. Yeah. We're doing this at you. All right. <laughs> right. And so Although I do encourage you to uh, in the comments for this episode or anywhere else um put your top 10 of the year on the website. Sure. Oh, That'd absolutely. be great. I would love to see those in the comments section. Yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. And that's the thing is I, we certainly want participation because as with any awards or nominations. So what okay, anyway, what'll happen is uh uh our the the what would you call it? the the voting Mem- body the voting body of be- the the bps or yeah. the bps bps um they will also mention that in the comments section yes please do um do you put the emphasis on the b like tyler bps yeah or do you put it on the p like david bps it's rough it's yeah. rough and there's a clear correct answer i suppose <laughs> so um Anyway, uh, so what was I going to say? Um, oh, who knows? Oh, anyway, so they're going to submit up to five in each category. Now, there are some categories, like, for example, animated feature, um, where maybe you're going to have a hard time finding five that you genuinely like. I personally would mm-hmm. have a hard time finding one because I literally have not seen an animated film that was released in 2013. Yeah, but you probably will by then. You're probably I have some screeners see. at home. I have The Wind Rises yeah. uh, ready ready to watch. I just got Despicable Me 2 today. Okay. I doubt that I'll get to that because I never saw the first one. I don't think. Have you gotten Monsters University? I didn't, yes. Okay. Yes, I got that one. Okay. I got uh, The Crudes. Oh, all right. And I got Frozen. Frozen, okay, yeah. So those are the animated Those are kind of the, the heavy hitters this year. Okay. So, yeah, and but that's the thing is maybe you think that The Crudes does not deserve it. So maybe you can do, maybe you'll just submit two because you think only two deserve any kind of recognition. I, despite you're not feeling great about the movie, I am actually really looking forward to Frozen based on a lot of other things I've read about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm in the minority on this one. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is beautiful though. It's a visually gorgeous. And it's also, from what I understand, more of a musical than Disney has done in recent Absolutely. Years. And, and they cram that music in in the most arbitrary way possible. But that's not That's a musical. That. That, that's, that's kind a, of what yeah, I'm looking forward it to. It sure is. Yeah. Uh, there's really only one, uh, there's only one number that really works for me but we'll be getting to that later um okay so uh 
So yeah, uh, I will then compile all of the uh, all of the votes, and then I will release the official BP or BP nominations, and then that same voting body from those nominations will vote for the winners, and then we will reveal the winners over the course of January and February. Oh, that's fun. So that's you know, really fun. So you can tune in and see what won, and you can weigh in and say that's stupid. I disagree. Do you know that January and February are the most fun times to both do and probably listen to Battleship Pretension? Oh, there's no question about it. Because all this thing that and I, a lot that, more people listen uh, that in those months. Because it's so much fun for me. Uh, we did an episode on why we love uh, the Oscars and stuff, and we were kind of serious about it. But there's also just a. F- it's just fun every year to talk about your favorite, even though it's arbitrary to say January to December is somehow mm-hmm. like a unit of measurement for, yeah. for an art form. It's silly, but it's so much fun to look back on the year. And instead of doing what a lot of places are doing, which is like getting all these lists out at the end of December, we spent two months talking about the last year. Because there's not a lot of good stuff being released in the first two months of the year. That That is a big part of it. But we literally spend two months every year talking about the last year, and I love it. As though, love it. As though compiling the various top ten lists wasn't enough. I also now do my fantasy Oscar draft, which lasts right up until the Oscars and lasts from late November – to the end of February, it's like half a year, half a year, and now <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly now I'm doing yeah. this beepies thing. I really just surround my life for three months with this, and it's a lot of fun. But it's it's fun in the same way that like you know, um, it's three months. You know, you get into like for me maybe playoff hockey mm-hmm. after the Oscars. It's getting time for end of the year, end of the season, and playoff hockey. It doesn't mean anything to my life, right? You know. I don't actually care. Like, it bums me out if the fucking Kings knock the Blues out of the playoffs again. That will bum me out. Yeah. But it's all for fun. And that's, uh, like, as much as I love movies and I think they're important um, and they're the thing I love more than almost anything else, um, uh, it's the, it, there's there's just a fun to the end of the year, like, rankings and competitions I, I and stuff. I think so, too. It's... And it doesn't have to hurt anything. I, I've, right. I've seen a couple of think pieces this year about how this is, like, this sort of thing is bad for movies, and that's not a new sen- sentiment. Lots of people yeah. have felt that way. And I think if you take it too seriously, yes, it probably can be bad for yeah. the way you think about movies. Um, but there's a way to not take it that seriously. Yeah. It's just – what at the end of the year, how I take it, among other things, is just like, all right, this person thinks these movies are great, and I've seen this one pop up on enough lists that, you know what, I guess I should see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't seen it. And there's one, the name of which, The Great Beauty. Yeah. Supposed the, to be great. I've heard it's amazing, and it's like I, I really, made Il, Il Devo, right? I do not recall. I think it is, and I like I like that one a lot. But it's popping up on enough lists that it's like I and that I started looking into it. I hadn't really heard of it until like a week ago, uh, and then I started looking into it. I was like this thing seems like right up my alley. Although there's a musical quality to it, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> have to make there's it. There's a bad. musical quality to Holy Motors. You like that one? I did. Yes, and so um, that's my favorite part of that movie, by the way, the musical sequence. With Kylie Minogue, that's my favorite of the I like, of the vignettes. I like a different musical sequence uh, more. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's the, the pretty amazing. You mean? Oh, it's the yeah, best. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, and so uh, hopefully, I know it has with with David, but hopefully the excitement of doing this has come through. I'm very excited to see what'll happen. Partially because I'll, I'll go through the categories if I can remember them. Many of them are obvious, but then there's a couple 
that David and I have added. Yeah. Uh, okay. Which I was so I was I was so excited about the one that I added, and then you emailed me like, "So what exactly is this? Like, how do you tell?" And I'm like, "Oh, this is going to actually be tough, isn't it?" It is going to be okay for both of ours. It's yeah. it's a little tough. Okay. So of course, picture, director, actor, actress, supporting, supporting, original screenplay, adapted screenplay, cinematography, editing, um, foreign film, animated film, documentary feature. I think I think that's as far as like, you know, major categories that you'll find in any any other awards. But then, David, thank God he threw this out there because I totally forgot. <laughs> For years, David has said, you know what they what category they need to include is Best Stunts. Best stunts. And I thought, oh, you're absolutely right. And then you and then you reminded me that for years I've been saying they need to incorporate what I have come to call best cameo. Now that doesn't mean what the word has come to mean, which is like somebody shows up as themselves in something. Right? Yeah. No, I, but it's like, it's the phrase that I use for a supporting performance that is under ten minutes. Okay. So, because my I was going to ask you because my interpretation before you said that was that it would have to be only one scene. Not necessarily. Okay. Because I already have a nominee right now, yeah. which is Matthew McConaughey in The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Which works by your rules. By by the rule I thought, because I think he has two scenes in the movie, it doesn't work. Okay. But I'm glad you said that because it means, uh, barring anything better than that coming out, yeah. Matthew McConaughey in Wolf of Wall Street will be my vote for best cameo. Yeah, it's – well, and you can have up to five, David. Oh, okay. So, yeah, um, and that's the thing is I've – and it's that one's hard to know because of course you're not going to have a stopwatch for every single performance. Um, yeah, I guess but there you, are some you that you can kind of tell. For, yeah, yeah. Like for example, you know that William Hurt is in History of Violence less than ten minutes. You know that Judy Dench is right. in Shakespeare in Love less than ten minutes. And you were a couple years ago. Uh, Ray McKinnon has one scene in Take Shelter. It's oh, amazing. It's, that that would have been my, my number one vote that year. I think. Well, and you know, I'll tell you, I can trace this back. My desire for this award. Uh, it can be traced back to The Insider, in which actor Bruce McGill, who's yeah. in the film easily less than 10 minutes, has a wonderful scene, but because of the character... That, I think because it's so memorable, it feels like he's in more of the movie to yeah. me than that. No, he's it, it, easily less than 10 minutes. It might be right up until that point, but really not very much. There's a lot of there's a lot of short performances in that. I mean, Michael Gambon is in it less than 10 minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and so... Uh, so that's and I, he was so great, and I remember like I you know you remember that performance. It stands out as a much larger uh, or not larger. The performance is large, but a lot more screen time. Uh, but I just knew it's like this is not going to get any recognition, and it's because he's in it so, for such a short amount of time, and he's not. I mean, he's Bruce McGill. Everybody has seen him, but they may not necessarily know his name. Um, they know him as, as D-Day from Animal House. Right, exactly, yes. <laughs> or as maybe God from the last scene of uh, the last episode of Quantum Leap. Um, or uh, he was Van Damme's boss in Time Cop, right? Wasn't that Bruce McGill? <laughs> that I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen <laughs> yeah. it, I want to say. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, and so he uh, – so that's kind of what, what started it. And, and, you know, this year you get stuff like there's a um, – I'm not a huge fan of the movie Nebraska. Did you? Oh, you? Yeah, you saw it. We were, we, we were, we were in the we're, same screen. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also was not. Uh, I liked a lot of things about it. Yeah, but there are a number of like one one or two scene characters that are in it. Maybe a total of five minutes that are wonderful. There's. Are this, we talking about the same guy uh, <laughs> from Home Alone? No, because uh, Rattray, Devin, De- Devin Rattray, Devin yeah. Rattray. But that's the thing. The, he and his cohort. 
like his brother, his brother yeah they're they do work well together i think uh-huh. um no the one that i'm referring to is uh i right. do not remember the name of the uh the name of the characters, I believe, Peg Nagy or something like that. Right, She's right, a right. publisher. It's a wonderful, heartbreaking performance that because of the screen time and because June Squibb is such a powerhouse in that movie, of course, no one else is going to get it. got any... nominated for a Golden Globe, June, June She Squibb. sure did, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so uh, so I wanted to let everyone know this. Uh, we've been going for a super long time talking super about long, various yeah. things. That's okay. Well, once we get to the topic, since it's just us, we can breeze through the actual topic. We can do more Kinda, pre-topic yeah. than topic if we want. That's true. This will just be a, you know, we've done we've done guest episodes the last few weeks, so yeah. this one can just be a easy breezy. Yeah. Um, le- uh, not, lem- not, lemon not squeezy. Our last two guest episodes were like <laughs> hard-hitting. Like, they were a lot of fun. Well. They were a lot of fun. Like, yeah. thank you to Will and Asiris, I think we said that last week, mm-hmm. and thank you to Wayne Fetterman Absolutely. For, for coming back. Uh, I've had such a blast doing this show the past the past few weeks, because yeah. before that was Todd Vanderwerf. Yeah, and that was fun, too. Yeah, and we, yeah. we had guests. I'll say this, back. though. Wayne, I, I love him to death. I, I'd like to have him on every three months if I could. Uh-huh. But, like, we should. man, he's... <laughs> He's hard, he's hard to break through because he will not let you get away with anything, and I love it. I mean, I, think, yeah, I mean that I, in the I'm, best possible. I come way. ready to defend myself. Exactly. I exactly. think I did a good job. Yeah. Um, so okay, we we should move on now. David, you mentioned the Golden Globes. Yeah, I wanted to talk. Uh, the Golden Globe nominations came out today. The day we're recording this, they've been out for a few days. By the time you're hearing this, and we, you know, as we talked about last week with Wayne, we don't talk take the Golden Globe nominations very seriously. But a topic came up on a message board that i am a, a, a member of um and yes message boards do still exist they're much less populated these days than they used to be i think because of twitter our oh, friend yeah. our friend ian brill who is also a member of the same message board that's how i know him actually um he he posited that the reason people that twitter is the reason people don't use message boards like they used to um anyway but it's a comedy message it's for comedy nerds okay. uh, which is if there's if there's one like nerddom that I can claim unabashedly, like when it comes to other nerdy stuff, you know, like you know, I I I, I like some nerdy stuff, but a lot of people know more than I do about mm. uh, uh, you know uh, about I don't know science fiction or all these things. But with comedy, I feel like I know my shit, and I feel like I can hold my own with comedy nerds. I know it in general, but I'll say this: uh, I think I'm about I think I'm about one or two years behind. Uh, like the latest, the latest slate of like up and comers. I have many of like many of them I have not heard of. Hmm. So like I stopped going to comedy shows a while ago. Yeah, I keep um, meaning to go back, but so yeah, we used to go constantly. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so this this debate comes up every year that on this message board and among comedy nerds that the Golden Globes don't nominate in their comedy and musical category. Uh, they don't nominate sort of straightforward comedies, like really lighthearted comedies. Right. Um, and I kind of, for the, I've always sort of been on the same page because I'm a comedy nerd, but I actually took up this discussion and said, these, now I haven't seen American Hustle. Uh, of the of the five things, the five movies nominated for best comedy this year are American Hustle, Her, Inside Lewin Davis, Nebraska, and The Wolf of Wall Street. And I started thinking about, like, well, when we talk about some of the greatest comedies of all time, we talk about things like Annie Hall or Fargo or these things that are not, they're not, like, I don't know, they're not uh, Bridesmaids. Or, I, 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 didn't I see guess Bridesmaids, so. I, as you know, I jumped to Airplane first. 
<laughs> but I, but yes, the, and I jumped to Monty Python's Holy Holy right. Monty Python and the Holy Grail first. But still, I, I think it's limiting to think that uh, that um, to, I don't know. I guess I, I'm 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 playing devil's advocate here because I think a lot of people feel like the comedy category for the Golden Globes is usually not really comedies. But I don't know why we need to be so limiting and so narrow with what we consider comedies because yeah. of these five movies, I haven't seen American Hustle. Her, I would say, is on the border. Okay. But Inside Lewin Davis and Nebraska, I would consider both of those comedies. And The Wolf of Wall Street, I think it's just it's just that not enough people have seen it to know that it is it's a comedy first. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it has some heavy shit in it. It's two hours and forty five minutes long, so it doesn't feel like a comedy in, in a lot of those ways. But it does seem like uh, in the in the performances and the casting of people like Jonah Hill and uh, Rob Reiner and uh, uh, even like Ethan Suppley, like all these people, Hmm. like he's clearly casting for casting for comedy and going for the joke first and foremost in every, in every scene, even when it's something serious, it's a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway. So uh, I just, uh, I wanted to bring up this. Do do you think that, a, should the Golden Globes be looking to things like, say, This is the End or The Heat or things that came out this year that are more straightforward comedies? Uh, or should um, we be m- less restrictive in what we allow into the camp of comedy? Or is it, in Battleship Pretension fashion, probably somewhere in the middle? Probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say because... I think I'm. I think I'm more inclined to agree with the people uh, on the message board that you're talking about because... It's almost as though various award shows say, okay, the only way we can acknowledge comedy as an art form is if it has other elements too. And that's the thing. If something is just a straight-up comedy, mm-hmm. then – and if and if it's legitimately one of the best movies of the year, then great. Like by all means, honor it. But well, at the I same also time – I think these comedy nerds – this is the point that I meant to bring up. I'm sorry to inter- okay. in, 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 interrupt you. But um, we forget that – it's only been four years since the Hangover won Best Comedy at the Golden Globes. They, oh, okay. You know, yeah. it's not that. Uh, yeah, and that's and that's great. It should have. You know, well, I don't know. I don't remember what else came out that year, but that was like well, that was also the year of In the Loop and yeah, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which yeah. are both I think funnier than Hangover. But I understand. Like I was looking back at like there are com- like last year. It made my top ten. I loved Casa de Mi Padre. Yeah. I'm not going to fool myself into thinking the Golden Globe is going to nominate Casa de Mi Padre. Or even Four Kings, which is another one of the funniest oh, movies yeah. of the last few years. Um, th- but going back to... Now, when you say Four Kings... Four Lions. Four Lions. Sorry. Okay. Four Kings was a TV show with Seth Green, I think. Oh, gosh. I think you're right. Yes. Four Lions is what I meant. I don't know why Seth Green TV like failed <laughs> sitcoms are in my head. Um, yes. Four Lions. Um, but uh, the last... one, like The last big enough like studio mainstream or studio comedy that i loved was scott pilgrim and mm-hmm. that's three over three years ago now so yeah. maybe part of the problem is not that the golden globes are overlooking these straightforward comedies maybe there's just not enough good ones yeah oh I, there's you know? no question that there's not uh, every year there's an anchorman or a, or, a, or a role models and you still haven't seen bridesmaids right I still haven't, and I, I do think you would like won't. it quite a bit. I, I know I'm being contrarian, but I literally have not read a single review of that movie that didn't mention diarrhea and vomiting. Like my l- diarrhea, I like vomiting. Vomiting is awesome, but um, oh man, that's a, that's a that's uh, the early days. Yes, um, but uh, diarrhea is not funny to me, and jokes about diarrhea are repulsive to me. So um, 
I, I, I know that's not what the movie's about, but th- that's what I equate it with. David, maybe the one person who likes diarrhea jokes less than you is me. Uh-huh. And, uh, and that scene got me because of the sheer brilliance of Melissa McCarthy. Like she sells it in a way that like, it's just so, because in that moment, yes, that's what it's about, but it's much more about her reaction than the fact of what is happening. It's it's good stuff. Like she that you know. Speaking of of recognizing straight up comedy, like the fact that she was nominated for Bridesmaids is to me great. Uh-huh. And I remember a lot of people uh, at the time said, you know, what are you like? It's like what what is she nominated for? And she's like because she made you laugh so hard, yeah, and just created a character that was so like she was just so committed to it and the character was there 100% and I will go back to to me like always the the like the uh, what do you call it I don't know the keystone of like a comedic performance nominate that uh, that won accolades which of course Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda who won best supporting actor yeah. that year for just crafting a an inherently funny yet fully realized character but that's the thing but that okay Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to bring it back to the the topic that I wanted to talk about. It's just the main topic. It's just my little thing I wanted to talk about, which is I just don't think we should be. Um, and I had an example all queued up and now I can't think of it. But that that uh, we're just ruling out the idea that if anything has drama in it, then it's a drama. It, you know? Yeah. Because um, I was thinking about – I guess I was thinking about um, – uh, Jonah Hill in Wolf of Wall Street, and the fact that like Moneyball has enough stuff in it that there's that there are times that I think of Moneyball as a comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say the whole thing. It's sort of like her. It's kind of on the uh, yeah on the on the line. But um, just I, I guess it, I just feel like we're too limiting by saying comedy is just these things, and maybe that's why film comedy hasn't um, grown in the way that television comedy has. And that's something we talked about. I don't know if we talked about it with, with Todd or what, but like, uh, you know, this, like the, when people say TV is better than film right now, it's a bullshit argument, but I do think that comedy flowers more on TV these days, uh, with things like girls and Louie and children's hospital and stuff. That's really like sort of pushing the boundaries, uh, in a, from a, from a formalist standpoint and, mm. and, uh, uh, and, and really just marking new ground. Whereas, Maybe, you know, the problem, the reason that's not happening maybe in film is because we're limiting what we will consider a comedy. Yeah, as though if a comedy has, you know, any kind of drama in it, people are willing to – because comedy is, I think, viewed as less legitimate than drama um, as as a – as artistic expression, I think it's considered less legitimate. So if something is funny, but it has drama in it, I think you'll find people who are much more inclined to snatch it away from comedy and put it in drama with laughs. And the one that you and I always go to is Fargo. Like Fargo is a comedy. And I remember mm-hmm. you, you and I were so happy when the American Film Institute uh, put it on the on the top yeah. hundred comedy yeah. list. And just like now we're talking. Yes, that's correct. It is, you know, that is certainly a dark comedy and one with like really uh sincere heartfelt dramatic moments but like it's i mean every character is funny yeah. in in some way and yeah. in a way that is 
unabashedly it's not it's not like oh this person's tossing off a, a, a humorous line here and there it's like oh this person is just funny to watch often quite uncomfortable as well but very funny and so um so yeah i think maybe that's what it is is the <laughs> the minute you start to sully a comedy I, i'm putting quotes around that of course yeah. sully a comedy with all these other things people are like no no that's that's a drama now uh-huh. and just and so so yeah it's which is which is why i will go back to it i think you would like bridesmaids quite a bit this is exactly <laughs> what we're talking about get uh, past the diarrhea scene and enjoy yourself i'll I'll, ha- I'll have to watch it someday but yeah it's it's rough to me this is the equivalent all right you lend me something and I do want to watch it uh-huh. and I am going to watch it. I recommend shit to you all the time. And you're like, yep. And you'll never watch it. I might. Watch How it is someday. that less dicky? Because just- I'm not taking something that you own. And naked wasn't like, Oh, we just said which Blu-ray it was. It's uh, Mike Lee's naked. We hadn't said it earlier. Oh, did we not? Okay. No. This is not one that I like got from criterion for free to review. Like, this is one of my Blu-rays, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Would you value it less if you got it for free? Yeah, probably. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it's... No, you want to borrow Chronicle of a Summer? It's really good, but you can keep it longer because I got it for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, but no, that's that's something that you and I have, have often talked about. That like, I if I say, oh, you should see such and such, unless you had decided you were going to watch it already... Y- my my saying you should see it carries i'm gonna say no weight i think that's more about like we're getting into some stuff that i should bring up in therapy it's more about like how compulsive i am and that it's like it's sort of like if my girlfriend and i have nothing to do on a day and i had planned to just sit around and watch tv mm-hmm. and she says hey let's go on a picnic my first reaction is like no that's not in the plan Mm. And it's more of like a compulsive thing. It's, my, it's compulsive behavior. I, had so I think something... that's what it is with, with this. It's not like me being a dick. Like, I'm not going to watch this movie because you recommended it. It's because, like, no, that's not in the plan. That's just how I am. You know, it's odd. I actually, not so much anymore, but for a long time, I kind of, I, I would do a similar thing, but for a different reason. I would, if someone said, hey, you should see this, I would, I, I might still see it. But I would be very resistant to it because, and this is going to, speaking of therapy things, <laughs> I would say, like, I'd be worried that, okay, yes, I'll probably watch it. And what if I love it? Then I, like, owe this person something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> then, like, as opposed to, as opposed to, like, I mean, do you understand what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's awesome. Like, yes, I do. Like, okay, you I, find a movie on your own and you feel like, that's mine. I found that. No one gave that to me. I found it on my own. Whereas yeah. someone says, you should see this, and you saw it, it's like, oh, but the idea wasn't mine. I didn't yeah. recognize that well, I think you and on I, my own. This is, okay, now this is our therapy session. But I think you and I, the reason that we connect well as cinephiles mm-hmm. is because we had, a same, we had a similar, there are other people that I know who, they got into good movies because they had an older sibling maybe yeah. or because they had a group of friends they watched movies with and with these people uh you know movies are still more of a communal experience than they are for i think you and me yeah. especially me in particular you and i we didn't have that we got into movies because we didn't have 
friends, and we found them on our own. First off, okay. We've talked about this before. We've talked about it before. I had friends. I had friends, they, too. They did not know. treasure it as much as I do. But I did have a dad who genuinely liked movies. Like, I watched Chinatown because my dad recommended I watch Chinatown. Um, I saw Fargo with my dad, um, <laughs> along with Deconstructing Harry and uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, it was an odd time, the late 90s. But, uh, you know, and then my brother, very like, he, he loved movies as well. Um I think he got into like great movies a little bit later in life, but like, you know, I went and saw, you know, my older brother is the person to see movies that my parents wouldn't want me uh-huh. to see. I went and saw seven with him, for example, uh, when I should not have, I was too young. Um, but, uh, but that's, but as far as the idea of somebody like, dem, like suggesting it kind of by their own standards, demanding more of you, that is something that I probably did not have. Cause my dad recommended Chinatown only after I, on my own, uh, started uh, demanding more. Yeah, but okay. yes, yes, I do understand what you're saying. That's why movies like we're getting we're getting into more of my weird head thing. But like, if my girl, I, sh- I keep saying my girlfriend, my fiance, damn right, and I are gonna like stay in and watch a movie. I I I try to like break myself of this, but I only want to watch movies that I've already seen. I don't like. I like discovering new movies on my own. I like being alone the first time I see a movie. I uh, I do hear you. Yeah, I've I I have that as well. Be- All right. Okay, friends that I go to movie night with, <laughs> many of whom write and contribute to the website and podcast on a regular basis. Here's here's something fun <laughs> that you don't know that I probably should have told you in person is that. Uh, I and maybe they feel like this as well. I, I think maybe every movie person does to a certain extent is like, you know, we each take turns picking what we're going to watch. And when it's my choice, it's just like I like I really sometimes it's a movie that I haven't seen but have always wanted to. But I'm reluctant to do that. I want to make sure it's one that if I haven't seen it, I want to make damn sure that as few other people have seen it as possible because they've because if I haven't seen it and everyone else has, then it's like, so I'm the freaking outlier here. I'm, <laughs> I'm the one that's late to the party. So so it's either one that I haven't seen and I will make damn sure that no one else has seen it either. So that we're all on the same page and nobody's above me. Nobody's, one could say, winning. I like that. Um, or it will be one that I've seen and that like I know no one else has seen right. one false move, for example, is one that I put out there, and that Very way, good. and that way, I'm the only one. I'm the best one. You don't do double features anymore. That's Not how anymore. It used to be. That's how it used to be before we back when we would just like watch one movie and then another, and then we all go home. Now we watch a movie and then afterwards we all go out to eat. Okay, I, I like that. So I still I would like to program a double feature. There's a there's a bunch of them that kick around in my head. That I would oh, like to, but the number one that I would like to. To program for for you and our friends and writers, yeah. Uh, Black Narcissist Picnic and Hanging Rock double feature. I think that sounds good awesome. to me. All you got to do is come to one fucking movie night ever. ever. It has been going for three I years, know. if not more. Yeah, I think longer. I feel like longer. But, yeah, um, yeah. I I know. I'm being a dick. I, I'm not being a dick. like it. Just it never. <laughs> I think it's you know what it, it is it's something i enjoy but it also is something of an obligation like i recognize it like yeah i feel like i don't have my saturday nights free mm-hmm. but of course i do 
I'm choosing to be there. Yeah. But I also know it's expected of me, you know, and so I always feel bad if I can't go. I think it's it's two things. It's one, I um I see a lot of movies during the week and mm-hmm. um if I were to go to movie night on Saturday night, even if my fiance uh, were to come with me, I would still feel like I wasn't spending time with her when mm-hmm. I don't get to spend a lot of time with her during the week. So the weekends are kind of more for me and her in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's number one reason. Number two reason is if she's busy, right, then I have a stack full of movies that I need to catch up on. So if she's busy doing so, if she's out of town or if she's busy and I have a Saturday night when I don't, I'm not beholden to hanging out with, it's not an obligation. I like, it's why I want to marry her. I want to hang out with her. Um, and that's why I don't want to go. But if I don't have her to hang out with, then my first priority is I'm going to stay home and catch up on some of the shit. Oh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to like, if Jen goes on a trip, don't get me wrong. I'm usually desperately lonely and constantly worried about her safety, but because sure. uh, yeah. I'm so able to protect her, <laughs> if somebody was intent on hurting somebody, then just certainly I, with my film degree, will step in. But, um, but yeah, and so, uh, but I do. I am just like, all right. Looks like I'm catching up on some movies, and it's and yeah. it's wonderful. Okay, we've been going for almost an hour, yeah. and we've not hit the topic proper. Do you want to pull an episode thirteen and just talk about whatever shit? We've already been talking about whatever shit's no, on our we mind. Can, we can get to the the topic and do a little bit of it. All right. Well, let's. To me, not, I mean, no, no. I should say it was your idea. I don't have that much to say about this topic. We can we could end up doing twenty minutes on it. And that's true. But at the same time, here's okay. Here's I'm only comfortable doing this topic if we do not title it this because I don't I I cannot in good conscience say hey here's the title of the episode right yeah you'll get there in fifty five minutes yeah yeah the good call we'll find out let's call it a grab bag or something or, yeah a bunch of shit yeah um <laughs> so let's get into it shall we um the thing that you wanted to talk about um you had brought up a while ago about whether or not you uh like more movies than you dislike and you were and you and said you is, feel like you do yeah and i feel like i feel like i dislike more movies than i like and I think there are, well, let me first say, I think there are some very, uh, there's some immediate reasons for that, which is that I, um, I curate my movie watching a little less than you do. Cause I go to more press screenings. So I see a lot of stuff yeah. that I don't know anything about or that I think is probably going to be bad, mm-hmm. uh, and, and turns out to be so. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, and then the other parts is what the rest of the episode will be about. Okay. So I don't remember exactly what it was, but, um. There was some movie, what was it? I think it might have been like The Wolverine or something. Just a movie that I've since gone on to say that I didn't like that much. But at the time, I thought like, that could have been worse. And indeed, it could have been. Like, as far as superhero movies, if every superhero movie was done the way The Wolverine is, that's not bad. It's, you know, it doesn't have quite the eye for spectacle that uh, that other movies do. Um, It doesn't quite have the eye for rampant destruction that a man of steel or even an Avengers does. Um, but, uh, I was talking with a uh, co-host of my other show, uh, and friend of this show, Josh long. Um, and I was, uh, talking about that, that film and, and I went and saw it with, uh, Jason and I invited Josh and he said, no, I'm not, I'm not really interested in that movie. And, he tends to not like superhero movies and I tend to 
I don't think I like most of the ones that I see, uh-huh. but I have not written off the genre. Um, and so, uh, but it just got me thinking, you know, I mean, we've been, since we've been delving into our various, uh, counseling sessions, uh-huh. like, um, one thing that, you know, I, I, I'm constantly trying to reassess how I am viewed by our listeners, by readers, whatever. Um, and one thing that I ask myself is like, do I like too many things? You know, do I, I often ask, am I, are my tastes too mainstream? Um, and, and then thankfully I go back to how much I love Verkmeister Harmony as I say, no, they yeah. are not. You're fine. Can I say, I don't think, and maybe this is what you were getting to. So tell me if I'm stepping on okay. your point here. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about, um, uh, you being, uh, more charitable than I am, which is a good thing. I think what <clears throat> the main thing, I think when a movie comes down to that wire, where it's mm-hmm. like, uh, it could be good. It could be bad. I think you're more likely to to forgive its flaws and go with the and give it the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and i'm more likely to write it off and I, I so i don't think it's about mainstream or not i think it's about how charitable we okay. are and i think you're more charitable than i am well and it's just and the weird thing is okay so i'll get to that i'll get to that in a moment because so what what it got me thinking about was just like because I went on, a, I've gone on a bit of a journey in the last, because that was a few months ago. Uh-huh. Um, and since then, I've gone on a bit of a journey. Now I'm too far in the other direction. Um, but I was just like, because, you know, if you just, because I've, I've known some people, you and I have some mutual acquaintances, that they seem to like everything. And I know it sounds shitty of me because they can, they can justify it all day long. And they can have good, well-reasoned arguments and, and not even arguments. I actually don't just, know who you're talking about. But. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. Um, but uh, but just every time it's like, I saw this. I really liked it. I saw this. I really liked it. And I just thought – my first thought was like, well, good God, what don't you like? Uh-huh. You know? And it gives the impression of somebody not being discerning and literally just, you know, hey, something on a screen. Awesome. You know? And it's like, well, I don't want to be that. You know, I don't want to be somebody who just, yeah, I can talk about movies in depth, but, but I'll always wind up saying, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a five-year-old who's just happy that there are flickering lights on the screen, you know? Um, That's what I, by the way, like, you know, my, uh, I I didn't grow up like well off. I didn't, don't worry. I wasn't like, you know, dirt poor or anything, but like, wasn't a well-off family. My parents both had jobs. I had three mm -hmm. siblings. I didn't get to go to the movies all that often before I had my own car or yeah. at least ac- my own driver's license and occasional access to a car. And so for an embarrassingly long time, I think I liked pretty much any movie that I saw in the theater because yeah, that experience, a, yeah. yeah, that experience was so overwhelming. I loved Independence Day. Well, didn't we all? I mean, come on. We, we were 13 when it came out. Like that's I guess. It's pretty bad though. That it is. <laughs> Yeah, you know that's the thing. As but much, I liked Spy Hard. I think. Oh, <laughs> damn right. Andy Griffith is the villain. That's inspired. Come on, it's been a while. Um, but yeah, it's and I'll say this. You know, uh, I know that I tend to be more into nostalgia than you are, but uh, nostalgia does not uh, does not save a movie for me. I'll say that because uh-huh. in watching Independence Day, because like I'll watch it with Jen, and she still enjoys it because it's something she grew up with. I watch, I'm like, boh, this is <laughs> not good. Um, but anyway, and so... Did I ever tell... I'm sure I told my my story of seeing Independence Day. Not that I can recall. Okay, so my friend Eric had... We were very young, but he had himself a girlfriend. 
in our group of our group well, of friends. Well, well, well. And our group of friends, Eric and this girl, I want to say her name was Jennifer, had decided they were going out. Watch out. But Eric, being, you know, a nerdy kid, was essentially terrified of her. Okay. Because he liked her. Yeah. He was so terrified of her. And so her mom was going to drop them off to see Independence Day. So he called me up that morning and begged me to go with them. He didn't want to be alone in the theater with her. And I was like, I don't, you know. He, she, he was like, we'll pick you up. We'll give you a ride. And I was like, I don't have the money. You know, I don't have a job. I'm 13 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'll pay for your ticket. Um, so I pay. Uh, he pay, You know, her mom picks us up. Go to the theater. Uh, Eric pays for both of our tickets in all change. <laughs> like, he, like a bag full of dimes. <laughs> um, and then we get into the theater and he won't sit next to her. He asks me to sit in between them. So this is essentially not a date anymore at all. Uh, and then I think this was cover. I think he was dating you, Dave. I think he wanted <laughs> well, to be with I, you. I got the benefit of of this because during the scary part when the aliens like thing pops open or whatever, and everyone oh, yeah. goes ah, like she grabbed me. Like really, yeah. Well, watch out. Yeah, so uh, you know, I don't know, smooth operator. You got yourself a free movie <laughs> and a girl uh, clinging to your arm there. Yeah, um, I don't think she. Uh, I never. I don't remember much about her, but apparently not. I did borrow the Shawshank Redemption on VHS from her. All right, and and I kept it too long, and she got mad at me because I think it belonged to her older brother. Hey, it happens. Yeah. It happens to the best of us, David. I'm trying to think what else I remember about her. Yeah, very little. You don't even. You're not even 100 percent sure about her name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Jennifer. I can tell you another story about Eric. All right. <laughs> what the hell? This has nothing to do with anything. You don't say. Uh, Eric's parents had like cable and premium packages or whatever. And God, this is so funny. It's so stupid. Uh, they, and they, they were, I think they were a little well better off than most of our friends. They weren't like super rich or anything, but they were a little better off and they were going on vacations mm-hmm. and they had a dog and they would get my friend Ben, who's like part of the group and was like close friends with Eric to when they were on vacation, come over like twice a day and like walk the dog and take care of the dog. And so one time, it was like during the summer, they were gone for a whole week, and um, uh, again, they had cable and the premium channels and everything. So my friend Sean and I were with Ben. He was like, I got to go over to Eric's and walk the dog or whatever. So we like went with him. We surreptitiously like unlocked the back door Mm. of Eric's house. And then like in a little bit, Sean and I were like, all right, Ben, we got to go. We got to take off. We got stuff to do tonight. And Sean and I went over to Eric's house, went in the back door, and like ate their food and watched movies on hbo (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's like a mike schmidt story isn't it (laughs) um okay so back to my memories about eric that i can think of right now this guy sounds like a real chump (laughs) (laughs) this guy really (laughs) at any point did he pay you to be his friend Good God. Okay. Um, so I'm going to get back to the topic at hand. Uh, but yeah. And so, um, so my concern was that I was not being discerning enough. Um, and then I, but then I, and then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to look over my last few reviews. So I looked at like the last three months of reviews and I was like, I don't really like much actually. Uh, and then I started getting self-conscious going the other way uh-huh. and saying, well, maybe, because that's the thing. If you go too far one way, you're you're not discerning. Uh-huh. You go too far the other way, you're a contrarian, and you're just a contrarian or just a snob or whatever you want to you know whatever right. you want to say. Um, and so, and while you and I 
seem to have no problem with the word snob. Um, I mean it in the ne- in the most negative way. Just you know, stick in the mud, curmudgeon, what do you, whatever you want to say, contrarian. Um, and so, uh, but I guess what I was so it's like obviously you want to kind of ride that line and just you like what you like and and you know you don't like what you don't like and just and having your own reasons for it and that's and being able to you know just know who you are as a film fan. But it got me thinking like. You know, from time to time, there'll be something that I just, damn it, I just like it uh-huh. or I just don't like it, you know, and sometimes it f- goes and it goes against what a lot of other people have said. A good example recently is uh, Saving Mr. Banks, a movie that I, I'm not sure if I would say I loved. I really loved it at the time, but is, but that was two days ago at this point. It's kind of uh, dwindled a little bit, but there's still a lot of stuff I like about it. Um you know, reviews start coming out, and I mean, this movie is in many ways hated uh-huh. by by people that I respect. I mean, Amy wrote a review. Amy Nicholson wrote friend a review and did not Good care for it. Dear yeah. friend of the show, best friend of the show, I think. We've said that about a lot of people. Yeah, someone can, has to be the best friend of the show. Who do you think the best friend of the show is? Well, who's been on the most? Fatum. I guess Josh is the best. Friend All right, of the show. fair enough. Who do you think are? Most returned guests are probably Fatum, Amy. Pat Healy. Oh, Pat Healy. Okay. Fatum and Amy, and then I was going to say Jason Eakin. Jason has been on a number of times, yes. Pat Francis. Pat Pat Francis has been on like five times. Yeah. Okay. Mike Schmidt. He's up there. Yeah. I think, yeah. I'm trying to think of like comedians. Siegel's been on, I think, three or four times. Is that right? Um, I wasn't there for one of those. Graham has been on quite a bit. Okay, but not with Chris. That's neither here nor there. Sorry, that's yeah. a, that's not fair discussion. But it's fun to talk about. Um, <laughs> you know, I like to talk about the BP family. Yeah, um, our voting body. Exactly. Some not of, all those people are the vote. No, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, so it got me thinking. Um, oh, okay. So like saving Mr. Banks. So there are people that hate that movie, and I just think like, well. Uh, I like it. Uh-huh. Does that? Mean, and what's more, I saw it at a at a screening, but it wasn't a pure critic screening. You know, a lot of it was just you know, sure, just regular folks did. Yeah, I think they call that an all media. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um, and so they all seem to love it. They seem to just really be you know, kind of eating out of the hand of the director, and the and 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 as was I, and then reviews start coming out and it's getting like i think the best i've seen is it get a get uh, like a c from uh <laughs> from uh, the av club which admittedly does not carry as much weight with me as it used to but uh is that right yeah it's a lot of, the, of my go-tos uh, a lot, it is one of my go-tos but a lot of the critics that i that i liked from there have since gone over to the dissolve but um but anyway and so uh so i just started to think you know, am I just, am I just too positive? Am I just not being discerning enough? Am I not uh-huh. thinking enough? Am I letting, am I, am I letting my heart go more than my head? Am I, am I leading with my heart more than my head and, and that kind of thing? And it has, it has come into uh, other things as well that you and I talked about very briefly off air, that there are movies in which I remember watching anatomy of a murder, uh, years ago for movie night with, uh, Jason Eakin and a number of other people. And a lot of people 
thought the movie was very good, but they had a hard, hard time with the Jimmy Stewart character. And they just said they had a hard time knowing what his motivations were. And it's like, and in that moment, I felt like a freaking, the only word I can think of, though I've never used it in my life is dumb, dumb uh-huh. because I was just like, huh, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about his motivation. I just sort of accepted what he, and part of it's that Jimmy Stewart's awesome and I like him a lot and he can just, but like, and so part of me is like, I've got all these people questioning his motivations and why he's doing what he's doing. Me, I was just sort of willing to accept that he's doing what he's doing. And part of me is like, well, is that a function of, I don't always know exactly why you, somebody that I know fairly well, uh, I don't always know why you do what you do. And so is it just a function of that, that the character seems so lived in, which is something, which is a trademark of Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. The character feels so lived in that I'm just willing to go where he wants me to go. And he doesn't explain himself all the time. Or am I just uninquisitive in that moment? And maybe if I were more inquisitive, maybe I would question it. That you are an inquisitive and discerning, uh, person. Um, right. Yeah. So if, if you're not, when you watch an anatomy of murder, then there's a reason. And if it's Jimmy Stewart's performance, then that's what it is. And I think venture to say it's that it's a valid reason. Yeah. And, uh, but what was the movie we were talking about where I just, I did say that I, I'm usually willing, like like you said, I I may be a bit more forgiving. Um, and I'm sorry to talk about me, but this did kind of start with me and I, and hopefully a lot of listeners can relate to this, but like, um, I don't remember what we were talking about before we recorded, we were just talking about a movie and you were saying something about like just buying into the world uh, of a movie and I, I i don't remember what it was now yeah. oh it was her we were talking about her which okay seen yeah yet we were talking about spike jones films in general and 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 being john malkovich in particular yes that um because i'll tell another story <laughs> that's right during yeah. during my screening of her there was a woman behind me who i think was the i think that she was the guest of the woman she was with uh, you know not maybe not in into into uh i guess art or artier films or whatever i don't know but this woman this young woman could not yeah i don't want to going back to our beginning of the show conversation i want to give the impression that this woman was older and that's why she couldn't handle the movie right. this is a young younger than younger than i am probably who just could not handle how weird her was uh she kept turning to like every once in a while during a moment she would just turn to her friend and say this is so weird and then a little bit of time would go by, and she would say, "This is too weird for me." And then, like, eventually, at one point, she was, and she, but she wasn't like being judgmental, right? She was like almost being apologetic, like, yeah, because she did at one point say that she thought she was going to leave. She ended up staying, as far as I could tell. I didn't hear her get up, but she said like something along the lines of, "I don't think I can handle this." Um, yeah, and I think. And good for her for recognizing, I don't think I can handle yeah, it. Right. Like, like kind of, you know, blaming herself. She's not saying this movie's stupid. She's saying, like, this yeah. is just... But, yeah. But we were talking about uh, in, in, in her and in being John Malkovich is that what happens in the movie is weird, yes. Mm-hmm. But there's an extra layer of weird, weirdness that I think people have... Some, some that, that makes it harder for people to accept in that the characters in the movie don't treat it like it's weird. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the most, like, sort of... Uh, uh, to to leave the realm of movies um, and talk about books, where I usually end up something like a dum dum when I talk about books because I don't read that much, uh, I barely even know how. Um, but uh, Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland or Through the Looking Glass or mm-hmm. whatever, I mean, one of the reasons that book is so deeply weird yeah. is because 
everyone in this weird world is treating all this weird stuff like it's just completely normal. And the rules just change all of a sudden, and then everyone's okay with it. And it's very, it is, it does add another layer. You know, it's a bit psychedelic. It's kind of like being on acid or something, you know. Um, uh, Anyway, um, so uh, anyway, we were talking about her and being John Malkovich, and you were saying you don't have this problem that this young woman had because you tend to accept the world as it's presented to you. Yeah, I accept, I I think I naturally accept the world that the film is putting out there. Um, or, sorry, I'm more accepting of it than maybe some other people. Um, and I think maybe that can be an asset for like that, uh-huh, you know, in a situation like that, sure. But it could also maybe be something of a hindrance where maybe I'm more willing to go along with something that is not as realized as it could be. So you suspend your disbelief more than than some other people do maybe but it, but that's the thing is it doesn't even seem to be a conscious decision i just kind of go along with it but what will often happen is and this is this is where we get to frozen okay, okay. i will go along with your world uh-huh. but you need to be consistent in that world sure yeah you know that's what i mean a big part of and it, that's yeah. the thing about frozen is like it sets up a, a world of magic but within that it doesn't i don't need to have everything explained to me but there are things that characters should have explained to them if something is new to them uh but they just go the, the things they do go along with and don't like there's okay there's a character who's a, a living snowman uh-huh. okay Named voiced Olaf, yeah voiced by- wonderfully by Josh Gad. I li- there's there are elements of the movies that I like and everything about his character seems like the thing I shouldn't like, but I do <laughs> maybe because of the way he he voices it. But anyway, um so there there okay, so this snowman basically he just becomes alive with a full personality as a function of this character who can manipulate the cold and and apparently create sentient life (laughs) and there is the briefest of like wow is he alive okay i guess let's move on this woman is a god wait do all the snowmen come to life no that one does and then there's another there's a rock there's like this ice monster that she creates to defend her fortress but it is it it is like an animal it's it does not really have thoughts it cannot speak it just and in that sense like okay like if you were to form something if you had the ability to manipulate these things like okay now i'll make a defender of my fortress that is its sole purpose and it does not move from that it is like a robot that is more acceptable to me than something that can think on its own and want and have goals and dreams. And, and it's just like, it's so batshit crazy. Uh And even though I like the character of the snowman, like I could not, that was one thing where it's like, why are people, why are the characters not falling on their knees (laughs) and praising this woman? Why are they out? Or like, why are they not way more invested in wanting to destroy her? Some people are, but not as much as they should be given the circumstances. And there's characters that like, oh, hey, there's these uh, trolls that get made out of rocks. Some people seem to know about them, but others others seem to not even acknowledge that magic exists at all. And it's like, I'm willing to go with it. I love Tangled. You know, Uh I love any number of, you know, I was willing to go with fucking cars, Uh even though that doesn't make a great deal of sense either because like why would this car have a mattress strapped to the top of it who is that mattress for yeah wait is it for a human 
Because if that's the, the case, do the cars sleep on mattresses? Not that I'm aware. But that's the thing is that the it looks like like that's part of the car's personality is it's it has a mat mattress strapped to it. So it's like, well. There are no humans in this world. Okay, so, so are all the humans dead? That's what I was. Okay, I haven't seen either of the Cars movies, so you explaining saying that really throws me for a loop. That's what. That's the first thing I thought is that this is some sort of post-apocalyptic thing. All the the humans are dead, as we learned in the uh, Flight of the Concord song, right? Yes, um, and somehow some sort of mutation has taken place where cars have become sentient. Yeah, I guess and they so. just are what they were. Yeah, but and all the, the we- humans are dead, and all the cars aware that there used to be humans i don't think so and, but and they're, they're stuck being cars and they're so like ba- tragic. and they're like baby cars it's like are they gonna get bigger are they gonna grow up so like Wait. that's the thing oh my god so the weird thing is or like ch- or like kid you know <laughs> i'm just hearing cars. about this for the first yeah. time I'm but sorry. the weird thing is i'm willing to accept <laughs> it's like it's like all right i am this is an instance where my suspension of disbelief is a very conscious thing it's like all right Clearly, I'm not supposed to be asking why. And within the world of the first Cars movie, it's pretty it's pretty consistent. So it's like, okay, now okay, now we're talking. Fucking Cars Two comes along. Okay, what happens there? All right. Have you seen the Last Picture Show? Yes. Okay. Did you Did you enjoy that movie? Yes, I did. As did I. Uh huh. The first Cars is basically, in many ways, Last Picture Show, but all the characters are Cars. Oh, okay. All right. So its world kind of mimics ours. Now imagine the the characters from Last Picture Show suddenly find themselves falling ass backwards into a James Bond movie. That is weird. Then you're suddenly like, oh, okay. Like, I was already, it's like, I was willing to go with living cars. I was willing to go with you there. Uh-huh. But within the world of living cars, now you you have, like, that to me is the equivalent. It's like... We're taking cars as the common denominator, which means you can remove that. That is not an element that allows you to do whatever the hell you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and so imagine Timothy Bottoms or, or Jeff Bridges' character from Last Picture Show, and now they're involved in Goldfinger. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's funny. But that's the thing. But somebody would say, <laughs> but someone would say, like, it's like, yeah, but they're living cars. Like, but that's not the, con- but yes. the world is inconsistent okay. now. See, so that, that your your whole point, like months ago when you first brought this up, you're completely like right running roughshod over that because you clearly hate everything. <laughs> you, I like <laughs> I like that first car, and there are people that hate it. You uh, know, there are a lot of people that hate it. I, I've never seen it. Um, so, uh, but I wanted to go back to something you talked about earlier about because um, I uh, worry sometimes that I'm a contrarian. Yeah. Um. And I'm saying, yeah, not that you are, but yes, I understand that. Part of it is I worry, like, some of the mainstream stuff that I like, am I liking it because, or is, I don't think I, like, I talk about how much I love the Hangover movies, but I wonder if people hear it and hear, like, an Armand White type thing where this guy's just saying he likes the Hangover movies because all the critics hate the Hangover movies. There are a lot of layers (laughs) of contrarianism. Not with you, but there are, like, in high school... Uh-huh. You don't like the mainstream, but if, if if you are a contrarian, which I think if you're a film if you're a film person in high school, you probably were a little bit just to kind of set yourself apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you probably were. I think everyone probably was. Sure. But anyway, so it's like, oh, you like the latest Adam Sandler shit? You know, you uh-huh. liked The Water Boy. That was the big one for me. I refused to see it. Um, 
You like oh, the Water it's Boy. It's really bad. Of I course didn't it is. see it until a couple of years it after is. it came out. It's really bad. It's like, okay, so you like the Water Boy. I don't like it. Blah, blah, blah. Then you get to college, and then you get people who, as I've talked about before, the people who look at the the acknowledged beloved films, and then they don't like those. They're the ones who say Citizen Kane is overrated. Right. Casablanca is overrated. Okay, so, but then you get, it's like, okay, so that person is better than that. But they also don't like mainstream. Uh They're the ones that will like the really obscure stuff, Uh you know. Then you get one step further. Now we're getting into the echo chamber here. No question about it. Inside the bubble here. Yeah. And now you have somebody like an Armand White, who don't get me wrong, I do think that he comes by his opinions sincerely. And there is something about I think he might Armand, play it up. I, yeah, I think he has some tendencies that uh, often cause him to shoot himself in the foot. He'll make a good argument and then make some point that I think is he's reaching too far to try to upset people. Yeah. And it shoots his argument in the foot. But I do think there is something you talked about. In movies, there is a consistency to Armand White's the way that he looks at movies. Yes. Anyway, we've talked about this before. Let's let's move on. Yeah. No, but what you're saying is, you get to a certain point and you become the guy who I'm going to be a contrarian by saying that I don't know the. Well, I guess everyone likes the Fast and the Furious now, so that, I don't know what example to use. But that's only uh, a recent. Like Fast Five is where it started to turn. Right. Four, which I so don't right, even remember what that one was called. It's called Fast and Furious. Okay. They just took the buzz out. Got it. Um, but yeah, if someone like put the, my favorite movie of 2004 or whatever is Tokyo Drift, that would be a kind of contrarianism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and so I wonder, I, I worry that, I don't worry that much about it because I don't care that much, but occasionally it occurs to me that maybe people think that I just like the Hangover movies because it's a contrarian opinion to have within our our, our uh, strata of uh, cinema cognoscenti. Um, but, uh, well, I, I gotta tell you phrases like that probably aren't helping your case, <laughs> but I think, okay, I do. I still do the other thing of, and again, it's not contrarian. I really do feel these way, this way about these movies, but I really hated shame. That was a popular movie. To I like. wasn't a huge fan. Uh, I also really, really loved the artist, which was, there was a very strong backlash against that movie and yeah. I, I feel like it was not cool to like the artist at a certain point and i really really liked it and i stand by that, that movie's so damn charming how can you not like yeah. it come on i also love avatar and a lot of that's yeah. a tough one yeah and but, you do and you don't like drive that's that's really, a big one really like you're like very drive. much in the mind like i don't love it but yeah. even i there are things i like about it that you don't so i rather liked only god forgives i don't know if you saw that one and that's one that people yeah, the it people does, that no, like drive kind of turned on. It does seem like it's an either or type of thing. Like, yeah. as far as that uh, reference, fan, like films go, or those two films, it seems like it does. Just my experience, it seems like people either like Drive or Only God Forgives. They don't like both, and I'm definitely in the Only God Forgives camp. Which is fascinating. I like the idea that someone is like a hundred percent on on board with Drive. Only God forgive. Only God forgives comes along. Like, well, come on now. <laughs> did you see only god forgives not yet i oh. I, I want to i'm gonna it's try so and good. i'm gonna try and squeeze it in christmas week but um it's so good I yeah, might, like, so, if we uh, another category we could add to the bps if we wanted to uh if we wanted to go full like mtv movie awards is best villain and uh damn it <laughs> best villain of the year is the thai police officer from only god forgives he's amazing hmm <laughs> 
That'd be that would be that'd be an interesting one. Uh, we'll keep that in mind for next year if this goes off at all. If this works in any uh-huh. way, and we decide to do it next year, maybe we'll add that category because yeah. it's a fun category, and you get you get the fun experience of uh, people's different interpretations of villain. Right. Yes. So I mean, obviously, you'll get something like a Michael Fassbender. Right for twelve years a slave and stuff, but uh, but then some smart ass is gonna like nominate Mother Nature for All Is Lost, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. That's the beautiful thing about this being, you know, the the BPs or the BPs <laughs> is that that person doesn't. It's like you don't write for the site anymore. All right, <laughs> you're out. I don't care. And that's the thing. It could be you, David. And it's like, all right, th- <laughs> this is dissolved. Done. I'm gonna go work for the dissolve. Um, okay, so I want to get back to the topic. Okay. Because there's something else that I want to talk about that goes back to something we were talking about beforehand and that we brought up in the in the middle of the conversation here is that if a movie has good parts and bad parts, like, there, you know, there's a tendency for a certain person to go either way. And I tend to go toward the negative. Yeah. If a movie has, you know, enough bad parts. I'm trying to think of a recent uh, I- I- example of a movie that I ended up um, – coming down on uh because it had more bad parts than good parts i'm pulling up my my uh my list here um i would say uh prisoners there's a lot of great stuff in prisoners but i would call it a not good movie um ain't them body saints has i think more bad stuff than good stuff um anyway but then there's a uh every once in a while the good stuff can outweigh even if there's a lot of bad stuff yeah because we were talking about Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby, which has some glaring ridiculousness to it. It has, as he always does. Uh, but I don't know. I I love Moulin Rouge pretty much unequivocally, uh, even though I recognize that what he's doing on paper is completely insane mm-hmm. and should not work, and for many people doesn't. But it works for me. Uh, with Great Gatsby, there's some really stupid stuff in there. First and foremost, being this framing device uh, of of the older Nick Carraway. Hmm. It's like Tobey Maguire with gray in his hair or is sitting in a, in a sanitarium looking out at the snow and writing his, essentially writing the book, the great Gatsby. And you get uh. like the words from the great Gatsby on the screen. It's ridiculous. It's so bad. Serious demerits for that. Okay. And if the rest of the movie weren't as I didn't like it as much as I did, it would be enough for me to say not a good movie, mm-hmm. but the stuff that does work in the great Gatsby works so well for me yeah. and i've always been a sucker for Baz Luhrmann's whole thing yeah although i never saw australia uh, although now that i've seen the great gatsby um i kind of want to see australia because yeah. everyone hated the great gatsby too so maybe i would like australia no anyway um uh so it's so it's not like a, a i guess what i'm saying is it's not like a, a percentage thing it, you know it's not like okay 35 percent of the movie is bad therefore i'm gonna come down against it you have to wait what's what's bad and what's good. So in The Great Gatsby, maybe maybe half of it is bad, but the other half is good enough to overcome uh, the rest of it, to me at least. And are on the subject of The Great Gatsby because we never talked – you and I – you never saw the movie. Not yet. We never talked about it when it came out. Um, the number one thing that I heard the complaint about either bef- both beforehand and in reviews reading about it was that – Boslerman missed the point of the great Gatsby because he made the whole world of Gatsby and his parties and all this stuff seem like a lot of fun when the point is that it's supposed to be sort of diseased and decrepit and, and falling apart the whole time. And I say to those reviewers who said that you missed it. No, you were wrong. 
yes, it does seem like a lot of fun to the people having the party. Yeah. But to us, I, I think it's clear Boz Lerman is, it's sort of like, it's sort of like he put these parties in this lifestyle, uh, like under a giant magnifying glass, which yes, made it bigger, but also allowed you to see more of what's in the cracks and crevices and what's eating away at it. I don't think, I don't think just showing people having a good time is the same as making it seem like it would be a good time to us. And the parties in the great Gatsby are insane. Um, and there's some fun stuff he does with the music, but I don't want to be at those parties. And I don't think, uh, uh, I'm surprised that so many people saw it that way. That Boslerman was glorifying these parties because uh, they were uh, pretty gaudy and kind yeah. of uh, kind of unpleasant. You got people, dr- you know, driving drunk and people, you know, getting into fights and there's bad stuff going on. Maybe, maybe that, maybe it's a very subjective thing. Maybe what some people view as a good party, other people would right. not. Yeah, nothing about that sounds like fun to me. Yeah, you know, although one. Uh, um, one character has a great line that I can't. It's been so long since I've read The Great Gatsby. I can't remember if it's in this is line from The Great Gatsby. Have you mm-hmm. read it recently? Not recently. I read no. it in high school, so I don't remember. But the one woman says she says something along the lines of like, "I love big parties. They're so intimate. In a small party, there's no privacy." Hmm. And that's I actually do kind of feel that way. Like uh, anyway. That's, That's so point. incisive. It has to be in the book, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. That's a damn good book. That is a book that like people should, you know. That's what I need to reread. I think, I, I don't think, I, I read it because I felt like I should. Mm. It was sort of, uh, in my high school, because I was taking like the AP classes, there were certain books that didn't get assigned to me because I guess they assumed we would read them and they assigned them to the non-AP mm. literature and language classes. So I never got assigned The Great Gatsby. Yeah, me either. So it was like at the end of my freshman year or my senior year, I think I was like, uh, I don't. I guess I just felt like I can't graduate high school without having read The Great Gatsby, so I read it, and I remember liking it, but it didn't stick with me the way that other books that I read in high school did, like say The Scarlet Letter, which is one of my favorite novels of all time. But uh, I would like to go back, especially having seen the movie. I would like to go back and and reread the book. I read it freshman year of college, not assigned or anything like that. I just uh, my brother and I had a thing at the time where we would send books back and forth to each other that we recommended, and uh, so he sent me that and said. You know, I know that everyone has read this and all mm-hmm. that, but it's worth reading if you haven't read it. And I read it, and I remember just thinking, like, man, this is it is astounding. This this book, like, do you I still just, have it? I do. I might ask to borrow that, and I'll give it back to you in eight months. All right, hey, all right. <laughs> I mean, Although, you can read that one in like a day, right? It's not a very oh, long absolutely, book. Yeah. no question. Um, so, and you know, and uh, to get back to the to the topic uh, at hand, um, and then you, we can, you we did, can wrap up whenever I'm done. Okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Alina, how strange that you're done the minute I start talking. Um, That's not what I meant. I, mean, I was done back when I stopped talking. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll get to next time. <laughs> no, so, uh, yeah, you actually found a way to, to get very specific about the larger question I was, I was uh, wanting to ask towards the end, which was, is it better? Like, cer- certainly you kind of want to ride that line in between uh, being – you know, undiscerning and being contrarian or being a snob or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you want to be in the middle, but if you had to choose to lean one side or another, which one is better to lean towards, but I like yours better because if you, if you get to a movie that has, you know, good elements and and bad elements, like where do you 
where do you land? And I've been watching old episodes of Siskel and Ebert, uh-huh. uh, which is a lot of fun to do. And there are often movies that they will come to and they're like, I liked this performance. I like these performances, but the rest of it's not that good or, or whatever. Um, and often they'll be split and one will say, I recommend it. It's like, it's not great, but I marginally recommend it. Mm-hmm. Or it's, it's like, it's not that great or, you know, or it's, it winds up being, it's not that great, but I recommend it. Or there are some good things about it, but I don't recommend it. You know, um, in both cases, there's like a qualifier there. But, um, and so I guess maybe that's, that's the difference between you and me is, and maybe why, you know, why, uh, there's just so much, so much damn chemistry on this show uh-huh. <laughs> is that, uh, I feel like I am, I'm more inclined that if there are enough good elements, then I will probably say, I recommend it, but you, there are things you're going to need to fight through. Um, you know, and, and like avatar for you is a, is a great example. You're one who says like, I fully acknowledge <laughs> yeah. this thing, this thing, this thing is not very good, but if you are looking for the following things, this is what you recommend. And I you think know. that the, here, here's my the sort of uh, conclusion I've uh, at which I've arrived based on this conversation um, is that my personal. Well, I'm not saying which one's uh, better or worse. My personal way of, of approaching a movie is not to think about it and then decide how I feel based on what I think, but to feel something mm-hmm. and then decide what about the movie made me feel that way. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's uh, again i'm not saying which one's right or wrong you know one's more intellectual and one's more instinctive and then i intellectualize the in- the instinct no. but um uh my my personal way of looking at a movie is how do i feel when it's over and then go back and and, and say um you know what do i think about it? that's why i don't and i've often like considered doing it but i do you take uh notes at a press screening no Neither do I, and I've I've considered it, and I think, but then I think I don't want to be reading my review and looking back at how I felt about the movie thirty five minutes in. Right. Yeah. I want to look at the whole thing. Yeah. Because that's you know, it, this goes to you know a conversation we had with Todd Vanderwerf is sure throughout a season of television or the entire run of television you can check in with how you're feeling about it at any given time, but. A film is supposed to be viewed as one complete mm-hmm. item that you're supposed to see in its entire – it's supposed to think of in its entirety. Um, the one exception, of course, being the film Other People's Money, which clearly had a studio tacked on ending that you can just ignore. <laughs> yeah, um, right. But uh, <laughs> I think about that movie fairly regularly and people just don't know. Like no one gives a shit about that movie. <laughs> but for some reason I think about it a lot. Um, but yeah, it's uh, – yeah, you know, I th- I think I don't have uh, much more to to add to that, so I think I think yeah. we'll we'll leave it there. Okay, so uh, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. dot com. That's where you can uh, post uh, in the comments your top ten of the year um, on this or any future episode of the next couple months. Um, and you can also in this the comments for this episode tell if is tell us tell us if you will be pronouncing it the BPs or the BPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, definitely do that. Uh, I would like to know about that. Um, so that's at battleshipretention.com. There's all sorts of links to this podcast and other podcasts and all our reviews. What do we got? This week you got your Some Velvet Morning review. I got my Hobbit uh, Desolation of Smaug review. Yeah, I guess I was. I guess I need to write a, a Saving Mr. Banks review for this week. I, it, I looked at the release. It's supposed to come out next week, 
but a lot of reviews are coming out this week. So I guess weird. I guess by the time this airs, it'll be up. Okay. Um, by the way, like going back to the Hobbit thing, mm-hmm. I'm the guy who loves to be a dick by mispronouncing things, but I think I'm being a dick by intentionally pronouncing Smaug correctly. <laughs> and it's just fun to say. It's more fun to say Smaug than Smaug. Smaug is more fun to say. That's true. So uh, I will it's be harder. I will be calling it the Hobbit, the desolation, the the Hobbit, the desolation of Smaug from here until the world ends. Uh, and that's at battleshippretension.com. You can email us, David at battleshippretension.com or Tyler at battleshippretension.com. My Twitter is at the pretension. Uh, Tyler's is at more lessons. That's the official Twitter of more than one lesson. Uh, his, his other podcast, uh, which you can find at more than one lesson.com. This week we'll be talking about Nashville. Well, that's already up. Well, that's uh, already up. We've okay. been over the last year, we've been counting down our, our, top tens and we finally got to my number one which is nashville and josh's number one which is clifford oh i don't know if he's ever seen clifford but i have to assume that <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen clifford it it's will josh. be your number one. Oh, okay. <laughs> um but uh but no that'll that'll be happening in a couple weeks when we talk about his number one which i will not reveal here okay. but uh the next episode we'll be talking about the hunger games catching fire looking forward to that with the companion film of shattered glass interesting yeah yeah, I, I I look forward. I do look forward to that. Okay, um, so that's more than one lesson. My other podcast is the uh, weekly television show I do with the uh, King of TV, Paul Goebel. That's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. This week, hold on, I got to remember, we'll be talking about, what the hell did he want me to watch? <laughs> oh, we'll be talking about the new miniseries Bonnie and Clyde, which is airing on multiple networks, which is weird. Um, and we'll be talking about the uh, British series, uh, anthology series, Black Mirror, hmm. which uh, is airing in uh, America on DirecTV's audience network. So I guess if you don't have DirecTV, I'm pretty sure you can watch it online legally from the BBC. But uh, anyway, um, Black Mirror is awesome. And I haven't watched the Bonnie and Clyde thing yet. I will watch it by the time we record. Hey, can I ask you a question? Yes. You're a TV guy. Okay. All right. American Horror Story. I'm a couple weeks behind. All right. I've never seen it. The uh, so the Golden Globes and the Emmys, they they nominated in the best miniseries category. Yeah. Uh, Does that bother you? Yeah, because while I do recognize that each season is fairly short and completely self-contained, is it self-contained? Because yeah. it has the same cast. It has like a a repertory of actors, okay. Is that what it is? But they're, they're not the, yeah. they're not the same characters at not, all. No, it is a completely self-contained story season to season. But even then, if you look at it, I mean, it is kind of like, isn't it kind of like an anthology type show, but it is a consistent series. Yeah. So it's a, it's a series of mini series. I guess, man, that bothers me. Like it just, know, it bothered me at first until I started watching it and I get it. And now it doesn't bother me. Don't get me wrong. I'm just now finding out about that repertory, uh, repertory thing. That sounds great. I love <laughs> the idea of that. Uh, but nonetheless, it's still like, okay, this is what it's called. Season to season, uh, no, or series first, to series. I'll put it that, like that. The first one is called American horror story. Yeah. The second one is called American horror story asylum. Okay. This one's called American horror story. Coven. Interesting. Not just called asylum and Coven. No, <laughs> They're all under By the, the way, <laughs> listeners. We know that it's Coven. Oh right, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> but Coven so- sounds like oven, David. Um, but uh, but that's the thing is they're all under. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's weird how much. Yeah, it's weird how much I've internalized that. Yeah, that I just said yeah, just say Coven. Um, but uh, but yeah, like they're all under the umbrella of American Horror Story. This one one could say series. 
if it was a series of miniseries, then it would just be American Horror Story, Asylum, Coven, you know? Uh, but what about, like, Masterpiece Theater? Is that a series just because... Yeah. But no, they have they, they, they do different short stories. Masterpiece Theater, or it's not even called that anymore, I don't think. I think it's just called Masterpiece, and there's Masterpiece Mystery. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but those are, that's just the name for an ongoing series, but each one stands alone. It's You're not going to nominate Little Dorrit, which aired, I mean, that was like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. That can't be in like the regular series nominations, even though it's a Masterpiece thing. Masterpiece is ongoing, but Little Dorrit is self-contained. It's weird. There's like this, it's like a weird no man's land between like a series and the network uh-huh. like there's masterpiece uh-huh. but that's it's like a sub network that puts it puts out its own programming each one of those is a mini series but the but masterpiece itself is not necessarily a series yeah yeah it's just yeah, a i'm not even sure what you'd call that i see what you mean so and that's the thing it's kind of neat that American Horror Story is what it is. It's a very, it's very unique, I think. Um, but, uh, but it's something that just bothers me because it's just like, we all know American Horror Story. We're going, we talk about it as though it were a series, but it's called a mini series. Why not just have a compete like that? No, Unless I think they, it's, do they think it, it can't? Uh, no, I think it's more likely to win under the mini series right. thing because yeah. it's in the people's consciousness. Jessica Lang is in people's consciousness, not just for, the four weeks or whatever that a miniseries airs on HBO, yeah. but for years at a time because of American Horror Story. So she's more likely to win in the miniseries. The The competition is a lot, is less stiff in miniseries than in the regular series. Let me ask you this. Let me, okay. Uh, uh, this is a uh, look. I know we have to finish, but whatever. Care, like care. in this episode, I'm going to do what I want. Uh-huh. That's All right. This is what we've been doing. This is what the name of the episode is. We do what we want. We do what we want. What are you going to do? Not nominate us for a podcast <laughs> award? Um, so uh, <laughs> um, let's say on HBO, there was a thing called The Revolution. Okay. And one year, they have 10 episodes of something called John Adams. Uh-huh. The next year, they have 10 episodes of Thomas Jefferson. Is Stephen Delane paying Tom, Thomas Jefferson in both of them? I, I think so, yes. Huh. Or maybe, yeah, let's say yes. Okay. Would they go, and then the, the next year, George Washington, David Morse, um, and then Franklin. They, so it's like, it's a four-year thing. Each one, its own separate thing, but admittedly still involving the other two, of course, the, the well, other thing. I think, frankly, I think... Uh, in something like that, it would be up to the networks. It would be the network's discretion how they submit it. Yeah, I think they'd be more likely to submit some for miniseries because they're more likely to win. Okay, maybe so I think the, that's FX's thing. Is FX is going to submit American Horror Story as miniseries because it's the most visible. It's going to be the most visible show in that category. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess when it comes right down to it, it gets. This is me being frustrated about Ethan Hawke being up for supporting actor for Training Day. Oh, right, which he's is the just, lead of the film. He's yeah. the lead, and it's like uh, Jamie Foxx being up for supporting in Collateral. It's like, well, he's the lead. It's like, yes, but he was also the lead in Ray, and you can't be nominated twice in one category. <laughs> it's just right. the, maybe the yeah. cynicism of that process as opposed to yeah. what it objectively could be considered. Well, I can't wait for us to have debates about Bruce Dern versus Will Forte as the lead in Nebraska. Did we have this on air? Because we talked about this off air. I don't think we've had it on air. It's it's. There's two leads. There's to the two film. two leads. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think 
maybe because of my age, I've identified much more with Will Forte. Oh, no question. Um, but uh, yeah, I went in not expecting that. I think it's being marketed as a Bruce Dern movie. Yeah. And it is as much as it's a Will Forte movie. And that was uh, a yeah, pleasant you, surprise. Yeah, you need both of them, which is actually one of the things I like about the movie. Um, but okay, moving all on. All right, yeah, my throat's getting dry. We got to wrap this up. So um, where were we? You can do all that stuff and find us at all those places. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 